This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives online. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode 88. Hello, my favourite humans. How are you all doing? How are any of us doing? I don't know right now. It is strange times and I really do hope you're keeping well, you're keeping safe, you have food in your fridge and a roof over your head and clean drinking water. So it's been a little while since I put a podcast out and that's mainly because I haven't quite known what is right to put out here in the world at this moment in time. I do have some interviews banked with some incredible guests but it feels like they're from a slightly different time because they were all recorded pre-lockdown, pre-corona really taking hold here in the UK and in the US and where I know so many of you are listening from in Europe, elsewhere. So what I've decided to do for now is hold on to those. I just want to put them out in a way that feels right to me, feels like it's doing justice to the time that my guests gave up to give those conversations and also for you guys so that it's not going to be received when it feels separate or different to what's going on in your world right now. So that then leaves the question of what do I want to put out right now? And I've been back and forth on this. So today's episode is an experiment. It is the first interview I've recorded since lockdown began. It's with my friend Helen and a couple of her friends who have come together to create a kind of alternative to art school for illustrators and artists. It's all online based and it was such a topical conversation to be having right now as all of us are embracing the next frontier of online learning and interaction and socialising. So we recorded this via Skype, all four of us in our different living rooms, a very socially distanced podcast, and I'm excited to share that with you today and hear your thoughts. So if there's something you would love to be hearing about right now, or if you just want normal programming and want some escapism and a conversation from before all of this sounds great, or if you want to hear how I'm navigating this or advice for other business owners that I would offer right now, anything and everything is up for grabs I would love to hear your thoughts a couple of things I should mention I'm still recording fortnightly episodes of the other podcasts I do it's called letters from a hopeful creative and it's with my good friend Jen Carrington so we answer questions from creative business owners trying to offer advice to them about whatever they're navigating right now so there's new episodes of that going up every two weeks if you want to listen to content like that and also today at the time of sharing this my insta retreat class is back on sale i've given myself permission to make a very soft and gentle launch of it this time so you won't see many sales emails or promotional posts about it from me i'm going to bring in a much smaller class just to make sure that we're able to maintain the standard of like contact with everybody who takes it, response rates, all of that. So it's going to be a smaller class. I'm not sure how long we're going to keep it open for because as soon as we're full, I will close the cart. So if you are interested in finding out more about my Instagram class or were looking to take it right now, now maybe you've got some time and space in your life to really dive into your creativity and figuring out how to make Instagram that home online for all of your creative endeavours, head to my website meanola.co.uk and you will see the insta retreat page there waiting for you to check out finally i have been running something i'm calling the stay home photo challenge since lockdown began it was weekly i'm going to extend it to monthly now and it is a series of photo prompts very directive very specific that you can tackle at home in 15 minutes with whatever you already have 
I've been trying to share so many of the creations that people have been putting on Instagram as a result of the prompts because you guys are blowing my mind with your creativity. There are so many incredible pictures. It's been picked up by a couple of newspapers and featured completely free. So if you go to my blog, you will see the first three or four challenges there. And if you're on my newsletter, you will get all of the challenges through automatically to your inbox every time I write a new one. Okay, that is all of my updates right now. I'm going to introduce you to today's guests. Hello, good ship folk. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Sarah. Thank you for having us. Could you all take it in turns to just introduce yourselves? We've got three of you here. Helen, you go first because I know you're so good at introducing yourself. Okay, so I'm Helen and I write and illustrate children's books, probably best known for a book called How to Hide a Lion. And I started the walk to see hashtag on Instagram. And you've got a blue piece of badge. I've got a blue Peter badge. You should open with that. (laughs) (laughs) Katie, tell everybody all about you. Okay, hello, my name's Katie. I'm a live event illustrator and I won an Easter egg design competition when I was five. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting the good stuff out of all of these people. We haven't got that in your bio, Katie. We need to add that. Yeah, it's essential. <laughs> and you, you've had a you've had a bit of success since then, since the age of five as well, here and there. A little bit. <laughs> the odd, the odd. <laughs> and I was working as a lecturer in illustration up until recently, so it's exciting to be doing the good ship now. And Tanya, tell us all about you. I'm a map maker, and um, I illustrate for lots of different things for anyone who'll pay me, really. And I want did an illustration for an aeroplane and that just made everything so much better after I did that. (laughs) I'm also a lecturer as well. Um, I've taught in Hong Kong and in the UK for the past 20, 25 years on and off as a part-time lecturer. So tell us about The Good Ship because up until now we haven't even really explained what we're going to be talking about today. So The Good Ship illustration is an online art school for illustrators and image makers so our first course is going to be about finding your creative voice because Katie and Tanya and I we all live in this little town on the coast on the border of Scotland and England and we to avoid cabin fever because illustrators do get a lot of cabin fever working from home we'd meet up regularly for coffees and um we realized that we all had so much to share so much information to share we've got have we got 60 years experience between us? Yeah, we worked it out and it was mad. <laughs> yeah. And we're always sent questions all the time. So we decided, you know, it's really difficult to answer questions individually on social media. So for ages, I would answer every question anybody sent me. And, and that was hard work. And so then I started making PDFs that people could download on my website. And in the end, setting up a course seemed like a really good way to answer all those questions. And the three of us together just felt, it felt like a fun way to do it. Because what's the alternative right now, if we, if you don't exist, how do people who are thinking that they might want to pursue either a career or maybe just like a creative hobby in this world of kind of illustrating and art, what are the options available to them? And you could go to art school, do a foundation year and then university and then maybe postgraduate study as well. Or you could try and figure it out, piecing stuff together online that you find for free. Um, And the thing that we keep coming back to when we're making our 
content and stuff is that we're sort of giving the signposts to just speed it all up because yeah. you can spend years mm. just kind of floundering and feeling really lonely not knowing what you're doing um and we've kind of streamlined it and made it like here's the things that we did to sped it up i think one of the things that's most difficult for for people now wanting to be artists and illustrators is that art school is so expensive and we were very lucky to leave with no debt because you know we could get grants and things back then and the idea now I, I speak to students who've left art school and they've got 50 70 thousand pounds worth of debt and it's such a tricky industry to be in that I think people are looking for new ways to study and I can imagine it must take a hell of a lot of self-belief to be willing to invest £70,000 in yeah. learning to do this. Like, And one of the common things that a lot of creative people have, especially when we're younger, is we don't really have bags of that. And if, especially if there's no one in your life who's doing this for a job, it's going to um, take an awful lot for you to even maybe convince your parents or the people in your life that this is worth investing in. But then the other option that Casey's described of just kind of Googling and and being at the mercy of whatever your search results tell you is equally not really a very it's not very affirming path a lot of the time you can end up being pulled in all sorts of directions yeah I think we saw that when we were looking at other courses that existed out there when I taught in Hong Kong a lot of the students that I knew were really comfortable with American teaching because there were a lot of Filipinos and a lot of people from different parts of Southeast Asia. And they would tell me about podcasts that they listened to online. I listened to them as well. But I just didn't recognize the kind of education, art education that we had had. It's a very different world in the US. And we were talking amongst ourselves about advisory educational areas that we'd looked at online. And they were quite male. They had a very American approach to, to the career as a money-making thing, first and foremost. And it was quite formulaic as well. It's like, here are the 10 steps to create backgrounds for sequential and cartoon animation. And all the work that comes out looks very similar. And so when I would show, I used to show Helen's work, actually. I taught at um, Savannah College of Art and Design. We would show work from the UK and the students were like oh this is really weird work it's all a bit loose and free and individual and then they would bring other students to me and say this student will like your teaching because you show weird work and I think this is European illustration this is really normal to me but so there's a big divide between the Americas and the and Europe I would say in terms of illustration style so you don't see a lot of online teaching of illustration particularly in the UK there's a lot of stuff coming from all over the world. But we thought, you know, Helen is a very well-known illustrator with a very big following, and there's a lot of people asking her questions. I even field questions to her from my students. So there seemed to be a real demand for education of this kind of this kind of work or this type of creativity. Yeah, and well, it sounds like the demand, but also you guys feel that there's a need for it maybe as well, that that message that you have to conform and you have to be the same as everybody else in order to be successful. There really is a need for it because we see a lot of content online where they teach you a style or they say choose three styles you like and learn those, which means that you might learn a really trendy style and get some work for a little while, but then where does it leave you when that style's gone out of fashion? So we're big believers in finding your individual voice, the thing that makes you, you. And we were all sat around the table talking about this one day and Tanya remembered a phrase that she heard. We think it's a Jimi Hendrix quote, uh, which is um, fly, fly your freak flag. 
So we're big believers in helping people fly their freak flag. We're not going to teach them a style. We're going to help them find who they are. Which is why your your first class is finding your creative voice. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who feels like in order to be profitable, they would have to compromise their true creative voice? That, that's a juicy one. <laughs> well, I, I, do you know what? I think I compromised like that at the beginning of my career. When I first left art school, I moved down to London. This is pre-internet days, so I moved down to London with my huge portfolio of work. I went to see publishers and my whole folio, I was lucky enough to go to Glasgow School of Art and Tanya was actually one of my tutors there. And we were really lucky because we just drew from life all the time. So the thing that we gained most from art school was learning to draw properly, learning to draw from life and react to what we see and develop our own voice through drawing from life. So when I moved down to London, I had this folio full of sketchbook drawings and drawings from life and publishers couldn't really see how how they could use my work like that. And so they they, start, they gave me advice. I'd make a meeting with one person and they'd give me some advice and I'd get a meeting with somebody else and they would. And I took all this advice on board. And because I was working alone from home and I didn't have my art school colleagues around me anymore, it was quite confusing really. And in the end, I started to create works specifically to get work. And it was great. You know, I was making a good living at it. The books that I was making were selling really well. But after a couple of years of it, I just suddenly thought, this is not for me. What am I doing? I've just taken so much advice. I don't know who I am anymore. So, um, yeah, I think if you do follow one of those styles, it's very short term and you, you can be left at the end of it not quite knowing who you are. And it, I had to take a year out in the end and go back to my sketchbooks and start from scratch and um, work through a process really to find my own voice and then go back. And actually, what I found when I went back into publishing was that I got more work than ever, ever, and people liked it more than before. And I think it's because they could tell that it was more true to me. I do think people connect with that for sure. And like, isn't that true in so many creative industries? Like how many pop stars are made to like create music that sounds exactly the same as everything that's already out there. And then you hear some random demo they made before they were famous and they actually really had something that was really moving or really like full of talent. Katie, what do you think about why it's so hard for us to just connect to our true creative voice, sometimes even before we get to that point of being given conflicting advice? Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think for me, when I graduated, I'm the, the most recent graduate of the three of us. So I finished university in 2012. I was the last year to get in before they raised the fees from three and a half grand to nine grand a year. Well so I felt really yeah. <laughs> I felt really lucky in that respect. But I just left uni and I was like, what do I even do now? And I hadn't been told how to like find my creative voice. I'd just been told the bare essentials of like, here's a brief answer the brief solve the problem but there was nothing there was no like substance or like making sure I was staying true to my own creativity so I actually I went off and became a nanny for like five years <laughs> but that, that whole time I always kept a sketchbook and we've just been recording our little sketchbook tours for the course and it was lovely to look back through my stack of nannying sketchbooks and it's like drawings of the children sleeping or like collaborations where the child's woken up and started scribbling on my book with me and it was by sort of almost giving up or just being like you know what I don't know what to do so I'm just going to go and do whatever I want that really brought me back to what I did want to do 
which yeah. was drawing from life and just sort of drawing exactly where I was at that time and not trying to be something else. It sounds like those sketchbooks, like they were for nobody. They were for nothing. They were just for you, for the joy of it. And when we strip away all of that outside noise, it's kind of a bit like the question, like if you were plunked on a desert island, like what would you create? Because you would no longer be doing it for what you imagine everybody else wants you to do. You're doing it purely for yourself. Yeah. And those sketchbooks were for me. Like I didn't share them online. I didn't show them to the families that I worked for. They weren't gifts or anything. It was just like my super private sketchbook and a way to like stay sane when I was working 60 hours a week and looking after other people's children. That's fascinating. And it's like, I have this problem. Like if I try and write a journal, I find I very quickly slip into like writing it for an imagined future reader. I don't know who I think I am that anyone's going to want to read my journal in the future. But it's so easy to do to like start projecting other people's judgments onto anything creative we do. And so actually like the fact that you felt like you'd given up, it almost seems like it gave you permission to not care what anyone else thinks. Yeah, totally. I was like, I'm never going to get any work as an illustrator. I'm a nanny now. That's fine. I'm just going to draw. And then those were like some of my best drawings looking back now because I was just totally free. So in the class, presumably you're not going to make everyone go and be a nanny for a couple of years. I don't recommend it, no. (laughs) So what kind of things are you going to be teaching people? Well, we always come back to the freak flag, don't we? We do, yeah. The the freak flag also requires a lot of confidence. And uh, I'm just thinking, I remember in Helen's year group in Glasgow, there was a student who didn't even really regard himself as an illustrator. He kept himself to himself. Do you remember the guy I'm talking about, Helen? He used to do little drawings of his mates and memories of himself at the playground with his friends or hanging around drinking beers or something like that. They were just like these little pencil scribbles. And we couldn't persuade him to take them much further. And he was very reticent about showing his work, but it was some of the best work in the group. It was amazing. But he lacked the confidence that a lot of middle-class kids have. He said, yes, I'm going to be an illustrator. Mm. He really wasn't. He, he kind of got on there by accident and he didn't know what to do. And trying to build his confidence to say, these little drawings are just amazing. They show you a secret world of like you hanging out with your mates at night with a can of beer and just drawing them and writing some of the funny things they say. If we could just bottle this and take it straight down to publishers and show them you'd be working straight away but it was hard to build his confidence in fact I think it was impossible I don't know whether he carried on working or not but then I found maybe 20 years after that I found there was a student in my group in Hong Kong who was quite rebellious and he didn't have great drawing skills and he felt really cast aside but he was really into um, some kind of punk American fashion and he, he was Hong Kong Chinese and in the end I started showing them Grace and Perry's work and saying, you know, it's okay, what you are is enough. And you, if you can just channel this into your work, you'll have an individuality and you'll have a uniqueness that will make for really great illustration. They were like, oh, are you sure about this? Mm-hmm. I didn't think we should be doing that. Because I think the illustration world has changed a lot recently as well. There's a kind of confluence of different industries like textiles, homewares, all these kind of things, which have meant that there's very trend-driven um, work coming out of illustration. And I kind of feel really worried for anyone in the industry at the moment because they think, well, I've got to do some repeat patterns and some cute flowers and things like that. That wasn't what illustration was like 20 years ago. I, these people are going to be discarded, as Helen said, if you're if you're interchangeable and you've followed a trend and you haven't carved out a unique voice, then no art director is going to go, 
I really need someone for this particular job. And someone will go, I know who does that work. They're amazing. Mm. And here, I'll show you. Of course, we all want new things. And advertising industry wants new and unusual work. But um, I think to be memorable in someone else's mind, you've got to be more than another flower and pattern merchant. And that's what we need. And that's what this this particular illustrator was thinking, the student in Hong Kong who thought he just didn't fit into what he perceived illustration to be. And once he started drawing, um, he started drawing a lot of fashion stuff and he was really happy. And his work within a year, he was just streets ahead of all the other students. And that, that was a really interesting lesson to me as well, to try and find ways of building confidence and getting them to believe being unique and being a freak is the best thing you can do. And I still believe it. Yeah. Well, and isn't that true for so much of life? Like when you said what you are is enough, it kind of gave me goosebumps because I think that is the lesson so many of us are still trying to learn and still trying to strip away all those layers we've built up because we don't quite believe it yet. I'm going to pivot and ask you guys. So you've all had experience of being in the art school system and also teaching in the art school system and kind of being a part of both sides of it. So I'm really curious to know what elements of the traditional art education you want to keep in what you're teaching and what things you are very keen to discard or subvert or play around with. I'd like to keep a lot of the things that I learned at Glasgow School of Art, which were about drawing from life and being an individual. Obviously, we don't want to keep the huge fees. (laughs) 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 But what I'd really like to add to that education that we had at art school is how to survive afterwards. We'd like to provide a community because I think the thing that I found when I left art school was almost losing my, by losing my community around me, I almost lost my identity and couldn't really remember who I was anymore without my artists surrounding me. So yeah, I think we'd like to keep the kind of traditional strengths, the really great British art school strengths of drawing from life and being an individual. But we'd like to add to that the community. We'd like to add to that some some tips on kind of keeping confident about finding your own voice and being confident with it. Anyone want to add anything? I would say, do you remember, Katie, we were talking when we first started having coffee together two or three years ago in Berwick, there was that you kind of recently left your MA and we were talking about how was the business taught on that course and stuff that you still wanted to know. So mm-hmm. self-marketing and promotion is a huge thing. Again, the very basics of how do you price a job when yeah. someone comes and says, I've got a children's book idea, will you illustrate it for me? So we used to talk a lot about things like that when we met up. And it was great to be able to ask Helen, for example, because I don't know, and I really don't know much about the children's publishing industry. I have the bare essentials, but Helen had so many amazing stories and anecdotes and good business advice. And I knew about other areas. So we kind of shared all this and Kate would pick our brains a bit. And we realized no one teaches a lot of this stuff. Mm. American colleges are really good actually at teaching the business side of things. And that had been a real learning experience for me that students were so hungry for that kind of information. I didn't really look forward to teaching business. And so I used to take cakes in so that they wouldn't get bored. (laughs) (laughs) The the one I dreaded teaching worst of all was how to write an invoice because it was going to be so boring. And how to price jobs. 
but they were that day was one of the best days I had there. They were so excited and they asked loads of questions because everyone was too afraid to ask really obvious stuff like how do I even lay out an invoice? Um, if someone asks for a job price, where do you even begin to work out your daily rate or to price a project? So those things I realized were great to teach and there was a real need for them as well. Yes, I can completely see that. And again, like having a trustworthy source, people who you know are actually in the industry giving you that information instead of being at the mercy of Google. Yeah, Yeah, even yesterday, I think last yesterday or earlier this week, I was asking Helen, have you got a good publisher's contract for a children's storybook? And we're always sharing that kind of information between each other because however much we know, unless someone's working in the industry and has really up-to-date kind of templates and information, you just get taken advantage of. Even with my book contract, I was like, Helen, does this look right? I have no idea what all this stuff means. This is why we had to do a course, because Helen was just so exhausted the whole time trying to illustrate her children's books and being asked endless questions from multiple sources about how do you, what do you, can you answer? So The thing is, when I get sent all those questions on social media, I just remember so much what it's like to to be in that situation of desperately needing answers that I can't resist answering them and then I'm completely frazzled. So this this course is going to fix it for people asking those questions and for us being frazzled. (laughs) And hopefully be an awesome business as well. We hope so. Because it seems like such a beautiful way of working that the three of you can come together and that you can create something that's going to meet the needs of all these people who you're hearing from and also help sustain you guys to do more of the beautiful art projects that are actually the thing that you set out to do in the first place. Exactly. I think it's win-win for all of us. Tanya said to us the other day, we're like the Goldilocks of the illustration world because there's three of us, each with a different aspect that all put together makes one really brilliant package. We've all got such different experience and different skills that by coming together to make this, it's just so, you know, I thought for a while about trying to do a course by myself. I just couldn't bring it together. I just felt like I was too over, too busy and overwhelmed by the idea. But since we've decided to do it together, we've just been right on it, haven't we? We've been, we've been Zoom calling every day and making videos. We're all so excited about it. Yeah, it's like that thing in Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, when she says the, the idea goes around looking for somebody yeah. and it must have found us at similar times, but we weren't talking to each other about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're all like making a course we're going to make a course oh it's going to be so hard I don't know how to do it and I think it was Tanya mentioned she was like me and Helen were thinking of making a course and I was like I'm thinking of making a course <laughs> and it was like the idea was was looking yeah. for somebody and coming together as a three has been so so yeah. much easier and more it just flows doesn't it yeah 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 I think what what we've got to offer in terms of course content to learn that was the first perfect jigsaw was that you know I'm amazed by the stuff that Katie does the live illustration self-published work she's channeling a whole new area of illustration that younger people know about because of the 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 industry changing so quickly and she's such a self-starter and I would question her how do you learn about this stuff how do you find out where to do these things how do you tackle the market and so we were asking each other different questions about different areas of illustration. It fits together so well. And then in the delivery of the course, 
again, Katie's got a lot of good tech skills and marketing in terms of copywriting. She she writes really well. And Helen is a, a really good on Instagram, as is Katie. I just sit in the background trying to pick to take notes from all of this. But somehow the three of us, it does help really drive the course forwards because it stopped that I don't know where to go next moment where you just give up and think it was a good idea and leave it behind. So it's all online only, isn't it? You're going to be delivering it completely worldwide, which is kind of perfect right now in lockdown as well, because it means people can join in wherever they are. Yeah, well, that's it. We, we did discuss whether we should still launch as we were in lockdown, but we launched a free audible drawing prompt called The Sketchbooker's Friend. And when we launched that, we within kind of a week, we had 500 people had downloaded it and taken part. And we thought, well, there is there is need for this. People are at home probably wanting to study so we've just decided to go for it haven't we even if we have one customer we'll treat them very well and we'll get a nice <laughs> testimonial at the end of it <laughs> absolutely and we've kind of got the approach like whatever happens it's going to be a learning curve for us and for them and we're all going to be like in it together yeah it's a perfect time really for doing stuff online absolutely yeah. we've had incredible feedback on that audible drawing prompt our sketchbook as friend haven't we yeah many people take part and everybody passing on how much fun it was and so a lot of people seem to say that it was it was kind of what they a lot of the comments related to it gave them a lot of concentration and focus and it calmed them down and gave them something to do when the brain was leaping around and there was a lot of anxiety about so I think it it had a kind of service in in lots of other ways as well which was really good to hear Mm. I think you're right. And I think there is this kind of whole conversation being had at the moment about the ethics of selling during a crisis, but you're creating something of value. And and if other people have the choice to choose if now is the right time for them to do it or not, but I think there will be a lot of people struggling to structure their days. Like, do you even know what day it is? I have no idea anymore what day of the week we are on. And having something to show up for in that, that community can be a really wonderful thing to be putting back into your days. How are you planning on kind of structuring the community? Have you got that bit piece sorted out yet? There's going to be a Facebook group and we're going to turn up on there a couple of evenings every week and give feedback for people and they can all share feedback with each other. There's also um, a good chip illustration Instagram and we have a Pinterest where we can share reference that we want to share with students and, and invite them to to post things as well. So there's a kind of informal community and the, the more formal community on, on the Facebook Q&A once a week. So hopefully that will that will help. And I think there's a lot of comments as well and, and stories being passed around every time someone hashtags their drawing as Good Ship Illo or Walk to Sea. So we get to see those and we comment on those as well. It's really nice that it's kind of multi-channel and people can just dip in wherever they need to and not, not feel too overwhelmed. So who are your classes going to be for? Is it just for people who see themselves as illustrators, people who are working in the field of illustration? Yeah, I I suppose it's kind of open, isn't it? We didn't want to narrow it down a lot. We didn't want it to be super feminine either because we were conscious that some other courses might have been super feminine and flowery and we were not about that. We want it to be for people right across the board. So what I find is I've been doing some mentoring over the last few months and people from all sorts of backgrounds get in touch. People who've recently graduated and are feeling a bit stranded. People who 
maybe dropped out of art school a long time ago and it's left them with a feeling that they're not qualified enough. Sometimes people who've been around and had a career in another area but now want to come into children's books or another area of illustration. So we've also had people who've taken part in the sketchbook as friends saying, I studied at art school years ago and I'd completely forgotten about this. This is wonderful. I knew this, but it's really nice to be reminded. So really we're, um, we're not narrowing it down to just graduates or established illustrators. It's really open to anybody. And in terms of equipment, I'm assuming people don't need very much special stuff to get started. Nope. Just whatever you've got lying around, basically. And we talk about that in the course. We say there's no magic pen. There's no special sketchbook that you're going to buy. It's just like whatever's around. That's such a common thing I hear all the time in photography. People are like, but I need your camera. Which camera have you got? Mm -hmm. And then I'll be then I'll be legitimate if I have the right camera. Yeah, it's really not about that. It really isn't. Katie and I are going to do an Instagram live draw along on Friday and I'm sure we'll be scribbling on the backs of envelopes and biros just to prove that it's it's really not about the materials. Sometimes they're kind of the nicest things as well because there's all that extra story that comes along with like the different stuff that comes up in life. I completely agree sometimes if you if you really have the wrong materials with you and you, you think you've got the wrong stuff it kind of forces you into a kind of creativity you haven't explored before so sometimes that's really exciting. It always makes me think of like occasionally on shows like the Antiques Roadshow, you'll see like a, a really famous artist, but it's like a little scribble they did on the back of a receipt once or something. And it's it's almost more covetable because yeah. it's got a piece of their real life included. Extra special. I think we, we all share a similar ethos. It's just like the power of the image. And I used to say to students, if the, if the image is good enough, especially with illustration and kind of crossover into graphic design, if I could put that on the cheapest Rolodex or not Rolodex, the, the old printing machine or a photocopier and the image still looks amazing when, we, when you just copy it in a low-tech way, that's the proof of the image. It, it shouldn't need great resolution screens or I mean, there is obviously a difference between fine art and illustration, but yeah, just the, the image will work if it's strong enough in itself, how, however low tech it is. I would love to hear from each of you what you would say to somebody listening who maybe a little bit like Helen sort of described, they maybe felt creative at a different point in their life, but they no longer feel like it's open to them or that it belongs to them or that they're allowed to class themselves as a creative or artistic person. What would you say to them right now to try and help them bridge that gap back into their creativity I think I would say like just begin that's the first thing you can do is just begin wherever you are whatever you think your ability level is whatever excuses you've got about yourself you don't live in the right place or look the right way or have the right accent or know the right people or whatever just begin with everything you've got and build any momentum like the tiniest bit of momentum even if it's just drawing a cupboard like in our sketchbooker's friend that can be the momentum it takes just to get moving. Yes, I love that. Like, just action. We were talking about that yesterday, actually. We are talking about, and I can't quote it because it's too long, but we were talking about that Ira Glass quote about... Oh, The Gap. Yeah. Yes. I start all my classes with that and make people read it right at the beginning. Katie, you know that. Yeah. Sarah, what is it? I've forgotten. He basically says, like, when you start something out you have a picture in your head of how you want it to look and and that is your good taste and that is the thing that's going to get you through but it also is the reason that why when you start learning something you're really disappointed with the results because you can see in your head how good it's going to look on the other side 
and there's this gap between what you're creating and what you want to create and you just have to slog your way through that gap and there's no getting past it we were talking about that yesterday weren't we when we were writing some content we were making a a video for our first course yesterday and we were talking about how at first it's very likely what you do will be ugly (laughs) but don't cry (laughs) or do cry but keep going it'll get better so true (laughs) also that everyone was a beginner wasn't it you know at some point everyone was a beginner and only by doing the work and, and putting the time in and showing up and yeah, making all the ugly work and getting through the other side, you start to, to form something that's, that's your own creative voice. And also, art and creativity isn't the preserve of the educated. You know, everybody from folk artists to amateurs, auteurs, they all have a right to it. There's that famous Joseph Boyce quote, quote here comes everybody and art should be for everybody. Yes, yes. oh my goodness. If you think about it, how long has humanity been making art and how long have art schools existed? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like universities, they're very quickly becoming outdated. Even when, when art schools merge with universities and then there's the grading system and marking things out of 100 and stuff, you just feel like, how can I mark this? It's just... I don't know. It, yeah, there's all that complicatedness. Yeah, yeah. And, and stuff's moving so fast as well, like exactly. the business side of it in particular, that by the time you finish your three-year course or whatever, like what you learned in year one has changed. Yeah. yeah. I was also listening to, is she called, is it Julie, Julia Cameron who wrote The Artist's mm. Way? Yes. I was listening to her on the Russell Brand, Brand podcast the other day and she was talking about how... There are artists like Picasso who seem to be born knowing who they are and make this huge splash and everybody's so impressed. And then there are artists like Cezanne who spend their entire career working out who they are. And when they get to 70, they work it out and suddenly it's like, wow, he's incredible. And so I think even artists who've been out of illustration for a really long time, it really doesn't mean anything. You can find out who you are at any point. So, yeah, don't write yourself off if you didn't know who you were when you were at art school. And that includes people who've never picked up, like, a paintbrush. (laughs) Yeah. It's never too late to start. And I think that what Tanya said as well about, like, being a beginner, and sometimes it feels like the internet has made it harder for us to let ourselves be beginners. Like, it seems like everyone is showing up with the finished result, and it feels like to put something on Instagram that you know isn't, 110% your best ever work is somehow like a failure or putting yourself exposing yourself to something that that is too dangerous but one of my favorite things to do when I find any creator who I really love is to go back through their archive and look at their Mm. emerging work and their earlier work and the things that they learned along the way and even if that is just scrolling back through their Instagram and you can see how it's evolved so I actually think that instinct can't be trusted and and sometimes the best thing that people do connect with is like seeing learning in action yeah, yeah. absolutely well we're quite kind of anti well, helen and katie are teaching me anti-perfection they, they're <laughs> helping me kick out my inner lecturer which is like this has to be perfect before it goes on like, no no let's just show people flaws and all we're on our way we're learning we're discovering things and that's quite a thing to take on board but it's almost like uh, a rejection of that past five five years of people taking selfies and making themselves up to look like something they're not mm-hmm. 
Mm. I think now we crave authenticity and flaws and faults and, and we want to see the truth in things because the whole glossy sheen that we've put all over our social media has been revealed to be a kind of fake. No one really learns anything off it except inadequacy and uh, uh, not like, feeling like they're not enough. So there's a move back to honesty. Yeah, and the humanity in whatever it is you're doing that, that is the thing that we connect with. Which ties back to the fly your freak flag thing. Like we want to know people's dirty secrets, their <laughs> gnarly bits, the hairy bits. You know, we want to know all the imperfections. That's what fly your freak flag is all about. That's yeah. what would make somebody's work so interesting. I want you guys to do some sort of social media campaign where you get everyone to design a freak flag and share it because I want to see what everyone puts on theirs. We've been talking about this, haven't we? Yeah, (laughs) we're going to do this. Yeah, it's got to happen. This is modern too, isn't it? Freak freak designing your flag or coat of arms is 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 in module two for sure well there we go so if anyone wants to do it you know they know where to head well they will do shortly I also think it's really interesting what you said Tanya about showing up before you're completely ready as as teachers or as a business and there's something really powerful in that because I think when we put ourselves within a system where everything is perfect and shiny we feel like we have to show up as perfect and shiny in response to it. So something about creating this program and you guys turning up as humans and being like, like I don't know what it might look like for you, but like, you know, there might be a typo sometimes or like we've not recorded it in a studio with studio lighting and microphones. I think that might give people permission to be more flawed and normal. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that I hope that we can turn up just figuring it out and doing our best right now with what we know, and people can be like, "Oh, they're human, and they're just doing it as well." Like when we recorded the sketchbookers friend, it was the lockdown hadn't quite started. We had a microphone in my living room, so Helen came over and we stayed two meters apart, and Tanya was on like, <laughs> video call. <laughs> Like recording my phone into the microphone for Tanya and then me and Helen talking really far away. So it was kind of a shambles, but it, it got there in the end. Yeah. Um, even though that weekend you had to say to me, look, it's okay. This is all right to send this out. I was so worried. I was like, girls, we can't do this. It's ramshackle. It's a mess. And <laughs> that to me dragged kicking and screaming to this new idea. That, Let's just do it. Let's get on with it. We don't have to perfect it. <laughs> and isn't it funny that that is if the image is strong enough it'll stand out even if you put it through a photocopier it's the same thing if the message is strong enough if the value of what you're creating is good enough the packaging doesn't matter yeah that's not what people are there for yeah yeah true absolutely guys where can everybody find first of all the good ship and then i want to know individually as well so the good ship website is uh www W dot. You don't. You don't need to say the W's anymore. Sorry, Sarah. you say it. You know how to say it. You say it. Okay, so you can find the good ship at thegoodshipillustration.com. We are at thegoodshipillustration on Instagram, and I think we're the good ship illo on Twitter. If you use hashtag GoodShipIllo, you'll find all of everybody's amazing Sketchbookers Friend drawings on Instagram. That's a highlight, definitely. Oh, and we've got a Sketchbookers Friend page on Facebook as well. Amazing. And that's the freebie that people can download. It's kind of like an audio coaching. Is it coaching or just company? It's an audio draw-along, a kind of audio drawing prompt. 
Nice. And will you be doing more of those? It sounds like it's been really popular. Yeah, oh. I've enjoyed doing that. We'll definitely do more. It's like having your own irritating tutor leaning over your shoulder. <laughs> Amazing. We all need that sometimes. And individually, Helen, where can people find more of your work? Uh, well, I am on Instagram as Helen Stevens Lion. Uh, my website is helenstevens.com. And if you put in, I, I started a hashtag called Walk to See for drawings from life done in sketchbooks. And um, it was all about going for a walk and doing a drawing on your daily walk. But of course, we're all indoors now. So the drawings are even more interesting. They're all <laughs> people walking to the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, they're great. <laughs> Casey, how about you? Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me. I'm on Instagram as at Katie Draws. And actually, that's my name all over the internet, basically. I think Twitter and Facebook. and But Instagram is my favourite bit of the internet. Of course. <laughs> and as an Insta retreater, we have to say that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Tanya, where can we find more of your work? Um, my website's tanyawillis.com. That's Tanya with an I. And my Instagram is tanya.willis. And my, uh, my Facebook, I think, is Small Editions, Tanya Willis. Amazing. I will dig up links for everybody as well and make sure they're in the show notes so people can come and find you. Thank you so much, guys. And best of luck. When does it officially launch? End of April, maybe the beginning of May, but very soon. Very soon. And hopefully by the time this podcast goes out, that will be even sooner. You may even be out, in which case I'll have already mentioned it in the intro, so people will know. <laughs> oh, thank you, Sarah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Show notes for this week's episode are at me and allai.co.uk forward slash podcast 88. And the Good Ship Illustrations first signature course that they talked about is on sale right now if you're listening to this as it goes out live. I think it's selling quite quickly, so if you want to grab a spot, make sure you head on over to the links in the show notes to check it out. I would love to hear how you are doing right now, what you are doing right now, and how I can best support you with these podcasts or perhaps with anything else. So you can come and find me on Instagram at me and Orla, Twitter at me and Orla. You guys know where I am. Come and find me, send me a message, leave me a comment, let's have a chat and figure out how to get through this together. Sending you all so much love. Have an awesome week.